Hello everyone, today's lesson is about abiding today. Last uh, last lesson, episode 5, was about the abiding principles. Today's lesson is about abiding today, the present, this moment. So God wants me to be free from the burden of unresolved issues. And, I, and you're going to hear about this quite a bit because this is one of the most important things that Christians need to get a hold of in their lives. Unresolved issues separate you from God. So God wants us to be free from the burdens of unresolved issues of the past or the future, allowing him the freedom of producing his fruit through our lives. So the past is, do I need to resolve issues from my past? Do I need to forgive or reconcile with someone? <coughs> do, do I confess a, a wrong to somebody? Do I need to make restitution for harm done? Uh, do I need to confess any sins to the Lord? Uh, the present here and today is, am I in fellowship with or am I abiding with the Lord at this very moment? If not, why not? Our future is, do I have worries about the future disrupting my fellowship with the Lord? Do I need to acknowledge my worry or anxiety as sin? See, issues related to others in the, in the past or at this moment, if, if I think I can maintain a good fellowship with God and at the same time disregard relationships with other people. I am deceiving myself. 1 John 2 and 9 through 11, he says, He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in the darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whether he goes because the darkness hath blinded his eyes. We cannot disregard relationships with others. As this statement says, if, if I think that I can maintain a good relationship with God while I won't have a relationship with other people and I keep hating or holding grudges or I have un un unresolved issues in my life, I'm deceiving myself. I'm not walking with God at all. We're either all in or we're nothing with him. You, you can't deceive yourself. This scripture, 1 John 2, 9 through 11, is not something you can rip out of the book and disregard. We have to abide with God all the time and unresolved issues stop that from happening. Note, love is a choice to do what is best for someone. That is not necessarily the same as doing what is pleasing to someone. I don't have to feel affectionate towards someone, but I do have to love them. In this context, we don't equate hate to hostility or intense dislike, but rather not doing what is in someone's best interest. So if you have a disregard for somebody, if you're not doing what's in other people's best interest, you're holding grudges, you're running off with unresolved issues, you have deceived yourself into thinking that you're serving God and you are outside of fellowship with the Holy Spirit and you are not abiding with Him and His favor will not be on your life. And that is a scripture. My unwillingness to forgive someone will always limit my availability to be useful to God. And this can affect his fruit in my life. And those and the scripture says, those that don't bear fruit, he'll chop down and throw in the fire. So everything that I've been saying thus forth is true. If unresolved issues in your life continue to be there and you won't resolve them, you can forget being in fellowship with God. You have to put them under the blood. Mark 11 and 25 says, when you stand, pray and forgive. If you have ought against anybody, that your father will also forgive you of your trespasses. 
So we need to make sure we're forgiving people. Make sure that we don't hold grudges, that we resolve issues, not holding on to them. So does the Holy Spirit want me to apologize to someone that I've offended? It's my responsibility to pursue that restoration of fellowship. Absolutely. If I've offended, if I've done something that I shouldn't be doing, if if I've messed up in any way, form, or fashion, I need to apologize to that person. You, You don't offend somebody and then just run off and go, you know what, I'll just let enough time get between me and that issue that I'll just forget about that issue. Oh no, God's not gonna let you forget about it. It's soon at some time or another, you're going to have to deal with that issue. Matthew 5, 23 and 24 says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother had aught against thee, leave it at the altar. Don't, don't bring your gift to me. Leave it. Go, go to reconcile with your brother, and then come and bring me your gift. He's talking about your praise or your prayer to me. Don't be trying to praise me or think that I'm going to recognize anything that you're offering me while you're holding offense at somebody else. He says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just cause you cheat choose to live the way you live just because you choose to reconcile the way you want to reconcile does not mean that it's the way that God wants it done. He says if you've got any ought against your brother, if you've got a problem that you've done somebody wrong, you need to go back and fix that. Go back and apologize. Get on your knees before the Lord and say, God, please forgive me of this thing. And if your brother is offended at you because you offended him, go back and make it straight. Make it right. Go apologize to them. Does the Holy Spirit want me to reconcile with someone who's offended me? Absolutely. So does the Holy Spirit want me to make restitution to somebody I've caused a loss? Absolutely. When a man or a woman should commit any sin that men commit to do a trespass against the Lord and that person be guilty, they shall confess their sin which they have done and he shall recompense his trespass with the principle thereof unto him against who he's trespassed. So Romans 13 and 8 says, Oh, no man anything but love one another. If you can repay it, repay it. If you can't, go confess it and tell them, say, Hey, I can't, I can't. I can't do it. What do you want me to do? Put yourself at the mercy of that person. If I'm not, if I'm not responsible for, for someone else's unwillingness to love or forgive me, but God does hold me accountable for loving and forgiving another person. So l- let's look at this. I'm not responsible for someone else's unwillingness to love or forgive me, but God does hold me accountable for loving and forgiving others. You can't take care of what somebody else is doing. You can't you can't be responsible for somebody else's unwillingness to love or forgive, but you can take care of what you're accountable for. So you can forgive. You can love other people. Romans 12 and 10, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Romans 12, 16, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Romans 12, 20, therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Philippians 2, 1 through 4, let not every man in his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. He, or look not every man 
on his own things, but look at every man on his own on at other things. That be thinking about what other people's needs are. Be thinking about what their desires are and what their needs that that needs to be met. Don't be thinking about yourself. So we need to be dealing with our own issues. If if you have caused someone else to lack, and their lack is your problem, you need to go deal with that lack. If you have caused somebody else to suffer, their suffering is your problem. You need to go deal with that. Recompense it. Go go take care of it. Reconcile with them. Is there any unresolved personal issues that the Holy Spirit wants me to acknowledge and confess to Him? So, 1 John 1, verses 9 through 10, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we say that we have not sinned, we've made Jesus a liar and his word is not in us. So if you say, even though you have caused a problem with a brother and you say you ain't the one that caused it, then you're calling Jesus a liar. Think about that for a minute. I would rather go to somebody and make the mistake of apologizing when I didn't need to as to go to somebody and say, look, this is your problem, not mine. I don't have nothing to be apologizing for. Look, 1 John 1, 9 and 10, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. That's the most important part in our life. We should be focusing on that more than anything else. Our pride or our arrogance or us being right or whatever we think that we got in our mind the most important thing we should be thinking is the only way I'm going to make it to heaven is to be sinless and not have unresolved issues in my life. And 1 John 1 and 9 says, if I confess my sins, he's faithful enough to forgive me of my sins. So I want to confess my sins. So if I'm running around and I'm claiming that I don't have any sin because I just want people to think I'm perfect or I want people to think I'm right and he's wrong, or I'm right and she's wrong, or I'm right and they're wrong, then I'm deceiving myself and I'm calling Jesus a liar. That's what the scripture says here. So as long as you're arrogant about your decisions and you think your decisions are right, but you've caused some sort of dissension among people, you're the one telling Jesus he's a liar. And his word is not in you. You have to get that under the blood and straighten that out. That is an unresolved issue in your life that needs to be put under the blood because God cannot work in your life. The Holy Spirit will not work with you or through you until you get that fixed. That's part of being very mature in Christ, realizing when the flesh gets a hold of me and gets the best of me, I got sense enough to go back and make it right so that I can maintain my good relationship with God. So does the Holy Spirit want me to apologize to someone I've offended? Well, of course you do. It's your responsibility to pursue restoration of that fellowship. We're all supposed to be walking in one mind and one accord. In a previous episode, I talked about uh, the body of Christ all going in one direction, one mind and one accord. And if you're going the wrong direction, you're like a festering pus or an infection. And sometimes uh, pusses and infections needs to be amputated so that the rest of the body doesn't get destroyed by your pus and your, your infection. So you think about that. If you've got a, a foot that is swelled up and pussed up and, and infected and it's causing so much infection that it's going to move up the leg and, and destroy the rest of the body, 
it's better to amputate that foot than to lose the rest of the body. That's what God's talking about here. If you're not going to go in the direction that God wants you to go in, it's better for him to sever you from the relationship of the rest of the body than to have you make the rest of the body be messed up and infected. So yes, it's your, it's your responsibility. Does the Holy Spirit want me to make restitution to somebody I've caused a, lie, a loss? We mentioned that earlier. Numbers 5, 5 through 7. The Lord spake, When a man or woman shall commit any sin that men commit to do a trespass against the Lord, and they're personally guilty, then they shall confess their sin to which they have done. We need to make sure that we confess that sin. Go to that person. If they asked us to reconcile with them, if you've, if you've caused them loss and they ask you to pay for that loss, if you can, do it. If you can't, tell them I can't. I'm at your mercy. But I'm asking your forgiveness. Not everybody can repay a loss. Not everybody can pay it back, but you still need to go make it right. Say, I can't do it. Please forgive me. Here's an important point to contemplate here, to think about. Most Christians subconsciously reason that God leaves it up to them to, to determine when there is a problem between them and God that needs to be resolved. Did y'all hear that? Let me read that to you again. Most Christians subconsciously reason that God leaves it up to them to determine when there is a problem between them and God that needs to be resolved. That's wrong. I'm not the one who gets to decide what I'm being held accountable for. The Holy Spirit alone makes those determinations. In a parent-child relationship, the parent is responsible to explain to the child the nature of the problem. The child's responsibility is to listen and to respond. We don't get to, that's one of the biggest problems with people in the church now. They don't want to be accountable for the word of God. They want to know just as little as possible. So they subconsciously reason that it's, it's their choice. They get to determine whether or not there's a problem. That's something that Satan has planted in people's minds. Listen, having no unresolved issues for which I'm being held accountable does not mean that everything I'm doing now is pleasing to God either. We need to realize that. We talked about that in the previous episode as well, that when we are walking in this life, when God's light shines into our life, he sees all the dust particles. He sees all the problems with us and all the things that's going on in us. And we don't need to think that just because God's not holding us accountable for stuff now that we're walking in a life and we think that nothing's wrong with us anymore and everything we do is pleasing to God. Because what does the concept of growth mean anyway? We need to grow. We grow to something and we grow from something. We, as we grow physically, we're advancing from a level of weakness to a level of increased physical capability. Likewise, as we grow spiritually, we're advancing from a level of reliance on self to a level of increasingly, increasingly relying on God. So we're growing from self-reliance to God-reliance. That's what we're doing is spiritual growth. So not everything that we do is always pleasing to God, but we're working toward that. We're moving toward that. That's why abiding is so important. Staying in God's will and letting him work with us, letting him teach us, let, let him train us as we move through our life with him. So we need to understand that our spiritual strength is not what I can do. It's not what we do, but rather what God is able to do through us. 
there's only one thing that hinders the Lord from using our life, and that is unconfessed sin. You understand that? Your, your abiding is messed up with unconfessed sin. Any unresolved issues keeps the Holy Spirit from working in your life. The only thing that hinders God from working in our lives is unconfessed sin. Once we confess it, he can start right back where he left off. But he's got to be able. Anything that displeases the Lord, he holds us accountable. And that term growth implies that there's things in our lives today that are displeasing to the Lord, hence that need to grow. Thankfully, he don't hold us accountable for everything that displeases him. In fact, sometimes we're not even aware of all the things that he would like to change. But if we're growing spiritually, we'll become increasingly more sensitive to his voice. He wants us to learn to hear his whisper without him having to shout. So we need to look at all that. We need to understand that his word, that his growth process is something that he's in charge of. And not everything that's displeasing to him is he going to point out. Why? Well, one reason, if you just keep on pointing out the negative things in somebody's life, they're not going to want to be around you. But if God deals with it as our spirit matures, if God deals with it as we grow in stature with him, as we grow away from self-reliance and put more and more trust and faith in him, he can expose more of the things in our life that needs to change and we'll be fine with that. But if he dumps it all on us at once right when we get up from the altar, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, don't ever do that again, stop doing that, stay away from these people, don't go to these places. If he just dumps all that on you at once and just burns your conscience up with don't, 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 then you'll go, my goodness, why in the world did I even come in here? I got to get out of here as fast as I can. I don't want nothing to do with God. This is overwhelming my life. But he can change you in a, in a in a long period of time, Paul said that our our soul is continually being saved. Our mind, will, and emotion. Our mind is part of our soul. The old man's thought, the way that we've always done things, all the stuff that we used to do. He's slowly changing that into what he wants us to do according to his word. That's why we have a growth process. So, God don't want me to be weighed down by the past or the future. It's good to be concerned about the future, but concern can become worry and worry can become anxiety. And I need to be careful not to allow those emotions to become a pretext for not trusting God. It's okay to be concerned. It's wise and it's prudent. And it's okay to plan and prepare for the future. Paul's concern for the welfare of the believers was correct. 2 Corinthians 11 and 28, Paul said uh, that that which comes upon me daily, the care of the churches, who is weak and I'm not weak, who is offended and, 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 burn not, and I burn not. He was constantly talking about, hey, we all go through this stuff. It's okay to be concerned about it. Proverbs 10 and 5, he that gathers in the summer is a wise son, but he that sleeps in harvest is a son that causes shame. So it, it's okay to be concerned, but don't just lay down and quit. So listen, I can count on the Lord to be faithful and lovingly take care of my needs. I can count on that. You, I go right back to episode number one again here. You trusted God enough. You put enough faith in him that you believe that if you put your faith in him about what Christ did on the cross for you, that you could be saved and receive salvation. 
All of your faith and your belief in him starts there. Don't ever forget that. Go back to your foundation of where your faith began and understand that whatever he started a good work in you, he will continually work on it and he will finish and complete that work. You can trust in him. He will take care of your needs. Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Just humble yourselves that God's hand will exalt you in due time. God's hand is on you. He's working on you. He's dealing with your issues. He's not going to deal with all of them at one time and overwhelm you and cause you to want to give up and run off. But he's got your best interest in heart. You can cast your cares on him. And those cares that you know about, those things that's bothering you right now, the ones that's on your conscience, go ahead and cast them on him. Because he cares for you. Now, here's another thing you need to look forward to. I'm told I'm told to follow him. We're, we're always told to follow him. That's what Jesus said to all of his disciples. Follow me. And we're always told to follow him. But even though it's always tempting for us to lead. Everybody wants to lead every now and then. But God wants us to allow him to be the one that's, that's leading. He wants us to be intimately involved in him and let him be the one making our plans and let him be the one making our decisions for us. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I quote this one quite a bit. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. He's the one that wants us to intimately follow him for our future plans. Let him be the one that makes those decisions. So we, we need to deal with those decisions on a regular basis. And when we try to be the one to lead, we need to step back for a minute and go, Hey, Lord, I'm sorry about that. I tried to get in your way. I'm trying to take you in a direction that you probably don't want me to go in. James 4, 13 through 7 says, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell, and get gain, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For that you ought to say, listen to this, instead of making your decisions and making your plans and, and drawing out your life's history, or drawing out your life's future, I mean, Instead of making all these plans on how your life is going to be, you ought to be saying, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. We need to make sure that our plan, abiding in him and continuing in him, abiding for today, this moment, live your life for today and this moment, every moment in your life, abide with him. Focus on abiding with the Holy Spirit. Change your perception on how you look at life. Don't look at what you can't do. Don't focus on what the Bible tells you not to do. Focus on abiding with the Holy Spirit and you'll not have to have a sin conscious. You'll not be thinking about what you can or can't do. You'll be dealing with whatever the Lord tells you you can do today. <coughs> so I hope that helps you out a lot. I hope that leads and guides you into the right direction today because abiding with Him is key to living a good, prosperous and 
and humble relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and getting to a maturity level where you can walk and talk with him without battling your flesh as much every day. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you on the next one.